Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is January 27th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. You know, just uh, excited to talk about some golf uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, thinking about, I'm thinking, I'm actually. Uh, you got to work on this opening. You've just been caught flat footed, I feel like. I haven't times. been thinking like, about it. The weather's nice. We're going to talk about. Oh, I, yeah. got some, I, got, I got about big golf. news. What? I got big news. I got what? I got an electrician coming tomorrow to to get electrical shed? into the shed. Oh, people shed boy, getting a little a little power, like you know. People Thomas have Edison been over there. People have been doubting my capabilities of of uh, of ever making progress on this project, and uh, I'm going to tell you, they're Wait. in some trouble. What exactly are you doing? You have electricity now, I presume. You have all these yes. electronics. Well, I, so I run. I I've kind of like got it set up like a the a house in the wire, like a vacant house in the wire. I'm running running an extension cord. In. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that. All right. So well, all these big... recordings, the entire company is more precarious than I thought. It's bound up in one little orange cord, like my Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got a, I got a heavy duty extension cord that's been that's okay. running here. The shed's been powered for seven months by an extension cord. <laughs> We are we are looking at um, right. really upgrading, getting some yeah. get. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that I could get a uh, a little four plug thing, you know, like you know one of those little four plug thing. Like a, a, the jacks uh, on the wall, you mean? Or yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah that, you should you should have them put. When we did a little addition here, I had to put in the straight USB outlets too. Ooh, the four jacks asked for a USB outlet. You, the world's your oyster right now. While you got that guy out there, he could set you up so, nice. Tomorrow nice morning could okay. be it could be a whole new world in this. Right. In this, I don't know. I think I'm getting an estimate tomorrow morning. I doubt he's doing the work. You know, <laughs> right? But, sure. But an estimate that'll tell the guy to take a hike. Go, you know. Get that's what I'm worried about. I, yeah. you know, this these estimates and uh, and then. Oh yeah. I that one of the things people have been giving. There's no progress. I needed the electrical done before I could make any progress in here. Before you close it up, you don't want yeah. to close it in without electrical work done, right? Yeah. You don't want to start putting insulation in and all that stuff. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I mean, in a I month, mean, this place could look a lot different. Yeah, it could. And theoretically, it could. I'm not putting. Well, I always spike speaking theoreticals. Yeah. Uh, do you have any reaction to the the golf that's played so far? We have two rounds through Farber. How about it raining Europe. in the desert? I we start. I shared this on Shotgun Start Twitter last night. I was going to bed. I'm getting messages from Dubai. Or do we have. You know, we're, we've got some good embeds in the European tour uh, community, whether it be Caddies players, whoever, that are just on the circuit. We're getting pictures of 
bunkers like caved in, collapsing. Dude, I was like, what happened there? Because it's raining. It's torrential rain for like the last 24 hours. More expected in the round one on Thursday. Kind of wild in Dubai. Is this, what is this? Is this the Sharky's revenge? Is this sending pestilence and famine and floods to the to the European tour for their strong arm tactics? Is Poulter putting a hex on Pelly? Do you think Saudi Arabia, Jeddah had anything to do with it? No. Maybe. Who knows? Just creating weather patterns, storm clouds, and then just dumping it on the European tour. I, it's bizarre. But yeah, that looked like substantial damage. I mean, they're playing ball in hand. They, I, I really I really I don't want to get into why this could have happened. That would seems like it would open up a uh, controversial topic. Are you talking about global warming? <laughs> yeah. Climate change, Frank Luntz would like us to call it or something. Um, it wasn't hotter when it rained. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, they've obviously had to alter some things. The round is not concluded. Thomas, don't call me Thomas. Peters is five under through 15. He's your early leader. Patrick Reed playing with a like a man on fire, motivated to, I don't know, avenge the uh, indignity of not being given a handshake. by. I got a uh, question. By, what? I think I feel like... Uh, Patrick Reed, he's he's a little burlier from the videos I saw than he has been in in years recent years. Now, all right, that's a loaded term. I've talked about him being built at one point, and you just <laughs> scoffed at me like I was out of my damn mind, which I will fully admit to being on several instances. Burly, I mean, what are you connoting here? Husky? I, I think fat, he's. I think he's. I think strong. Well, my question is. I think he plays his best golf a little burlier. That may be. Did you see Brooks's little social video? Uh-uh. He's burly. He's thick all the way through. As, as one commenter noted from the ankles, he uh, accused him of having cankles, which I don't even really know what they are. I've heard of it. But all the way up, he's thick, real thick. Right. He was now. looking but, you know, thick last fall. He's wearing clothes that are always you know size too small too to accentuate that but he looked he looked built thick in a and i don't i wouldn't say a chunky way but just built so you're suggesting pat reed is in peak pat reed condition for the purposes of of patrick reed a little extra weight you thought he was looking too gaunt i think i think i think he he might be a guy i think some guys might play a little bit better huskier because it you know, you like makes that body turn kind of easier, right? When you when you drop some pounds, like I think I, you know, and I think this he might a be one of the thing, right? Yeah, or Duval that, bulked up too much. That was muscle, but yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. So, so this is a semi real take. This is a real t- semi real take. I saw those Rory videos of the uh, of the teeth throw, which is like the most absurd. <laughs> You can't call it a throw at all. I'm so happy the video. We talked about this on Tuesday. He like dropped a T in his general vicinity. Yeah. It was not. There's no way you could describe it as a throw. Right. Hey, it was a flick or a toss or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, really take this off the rails. I got a lot of discourse about. Um, Kenny Lofton's kid, 
<laughs> some some people have informed. Lofton's no, kid. he's definitely from now on. He's still. It's way more fun to think of it as Kenny Lofton's kid. Okay, all right. So Kenneth Lofton, the NBA player, tribe, I got, son of the tribe legend. I got like hand. I got legitimately a thousand word email from a listener who was at the game, who said that their entire like entertainment besides the game was Kenneth Lofton and and figuring out who this man was. And they were so excited when he got into the game. So I actually got some intel on Lofton. Super fun, very skilled offensive player. This is coming from an NBA front office. Okay. I asked the, this this member of a front office, can you give me an all burly team of the NBA? Okay. <laughs> he, this is good. He obliged. <laughs> So he's got uh, Barkley, Charles Barkley. Oh, this is all time. not All present. time. Okay. All right. James Harden. Okay. <laughs> Oliver Miller. Yeah, it's got to be Oliver Miller. He's like the poster boy in the last 25 years or so. <laughs> Zach Randolph. Uh-huh. And then he says the Burley MVP, the all-time Burley, the greatest, the greatest Burley athlete of all time is Zion. I, yeah, yeah. He I says, saw some sort of like. Go he's ahead. the fastest three hundred pound human in the history of the world, and <laughs> I kind of agree. It's like it's unbelievable. I saw some like social media videos of him like. Like in street clothes, walking out of a game or walking in a locker room with like next to like Larry Nance or something, Junior. Like, and it looks like some of these, you know, these youth sports games I go to where you got to be like, check the birth certificate. And we're talking about other professional NBA players who are like 6'9 and 6'8 and really built. He just looks like two of them in one. And he's jumping out of the gym and just bouncing people off him. I, yeah, that's a good one. He's got to be all time burly. Another, another, uh, another mention. Michael Sweetney, all burly. Honorable God, mention. Skilled, so skilled, <laughs> such good touch at Georgetown. I don't know that it really flourished at the Knicks or elsewhere, but he was great to watch. And then he gave uh, he gave all time nickname, all time nickname for a burly boy. Hot Plate Williams. Oh yeah, <laughs> John Hot Plate Williams. <laughs> Was it John? No, that's John. John Hot Rod Williams. I think it's Hot Plate. Hot Rod and Hot Plate were two different kinds of John Williams. Oh, yeah. That was my dad's favorite. Finished his food so fast, the plate was still hot. And who was... Um, there was uh, Dinner Bell Mel. Mel Turpin, right? I think that's another one of my favorite. Dinner Bell Mel. Maybe we this start calling, calling him Hot Plate Reed. <laughs> Hot plate Patrick. <laughs> oh God, this did go off the rails quickly, but I appreciated I, it. I mean, this I just, is from a front office, apparently. It was his Vladi Divac. Is he still in the league? Uh, Are you in a texting relationship with your new neighbor, Vladi? Well, he, uh, I don't he, even know if he's a, still the GM. He knows that I'm a big Kings guy now. So yeah. you know, I, I might be lighting the beam one day if I if I keep up this relationship <laughs> with you know the problem with being friends with the Kings front office would be you wouldn't be able to criticize them. You know, they're inevitably going to make some bad decisions. Yes. Yes. So um, so all right. bur- all burly team. Maybe we'll we'll 
we'll continue the segment with some other other league. Other uh, sports. May, may MLB would be fun. You could That's get like I, yeah. I'm thinking Tony about Tony Gwynn. Yeah. Gotta be it. Like in terms Cur- of talent. Kirby Puckett. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you got to get into the guys who could steal bases at like really husky. Like those are the most some of the most incredible athletes. All right. Um, and do you have anything else you want to make of this T-Gate thing? I'm kind of disgusted by the I'm, whole I'm thing. I'm so uh, tired. We, are, we make somewhat of a living on talking about these kinds of dramas. But it felt like the same people who over went crazy with the exclamation points on Tuesday were then on Wednesday like, oh, this is nothing. LOL. Like, uh, is Rory in the hospital? Like, look at golf. Look at this. This is what counts as golf drama. Like, it was like the same people who were the ones hyping it up in the first place. And there's some real world like context to this. Why there's some substantive reasons why by why and I thought Jay Rigdon framed it well at awful announcing about like you're under no circumstance or obligation to indulge assholery. And that's what Patrick Reed is being. He's subpoenaing, and I understand it's not necessarily Patrick Reed, it's his attorney. The clay man. The clay boy. And I just don't like you don't like Rory is under no obligation to be a gentleman in this situation. And I don't even know that he was ungentlemanly by not shaking his hand. And Patrick Reed can't traipse about the world suing people, subpoena people. He's no laying up tweeted. He subpoenaed Justin Thomas two days before his wedding. Like we don't have to indulge these guys and the flick of the T. And he talks about like, cause it has four aces on it. I saw Alan Shipnuck tweeted that, live guys would kind of spread those around the range this summer. Like these guys are like, I, I, this isn't even a live or P versus PGA tour thing. It's just behavior of like children, like stop being like, just go take your money, do your thing and stop being, stop being a little asshole. Stop sh- spreading these teas around. Like, what are you? Who are you? How old are you? And I think like Patrick Reed, you're not under, you are not, um, I don't know, <clears throat> afforded a handshake when you do all these things and you and you have set this precedent. It's the sorry, you Rory doesn't need to indulge him. And that's the substantive underlying context of some of this stuff. And is it fun? It's hilarious. We thrive on some of these kind of dramas. I thought like we got a little carried away with the coverage of it, not with the Royal We Golf Media. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my underlying real take of this stuff. This this made it to my casual go- friend golfer friend uh, text group of people that just play golf, don't really watch golf. Uh, this made it into that, and they asked they asked me what's going on, and the way yeah. I characterized it is it's getting blown out of proportion. It is nothing compared to Miguel Angel. Keegan and I, I threw a link of that. I mean, that YouTube, was real. Yeah. The YouTube video, and they all responded with like, "That was freaking awesome." <laughs> that golf right. needs more of that, and it right. got me thinking. Right. Like, this is a little bit of a drummed up fake controversy situation. I mean, this is I think- this is the aggregation station chasing cage, uh, page clicks and social well, interactions. There is the real thing of this behind the scenes subpoena stuff going on though. Yes. Right. I mean, that's like a real problem, like a real issue to be upset about if you're Rory getting served it on Christmas Eve. 
I think, quite honestly, getting in the Miguel and Hell Keegan thing, I think a cool and quite frankly excusable response would have been if he popped up and read him the like riot act, got in his face and started screaming. And just see, Rory's too him. classy to do that. I, I don't. I'm not even. I'm not sure it would have been not classy. It would have been sporting. Athletic, like this is pro. Like I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not. I, I agree that it would have been very unorthodox for a PGA Tour or a golf uh, DP World Tour driving range, but. I think it would have been excusable. Like, take your ass and walk back down that other way of the range. You subpoena me, and you want to come over here and think you're afforded a handshake or pleasantries. Get your ass out of my face. That kind of thing, I think, is excusable in this scenario. And instead, he just blew him off. I don't know. I just, I, I, I mean, think there's how, some underlying context. Here. I feel like every listener here, there is some point in your life where you were you know you had like an arch nemesis you had somebody that like you didn't agree with that you didn't jive with and guess what you do you ignore them you move on yeah Here's the like thing. that's the way the way it is is like this happens all the time but anyways back to where i was going with that is like controversy is good for the game of golf it's it, this it drives general yes. interest it gets and patrick people talking. Reed always does it it got me thinking about, you know, just in general, this event, the European Tour. This is a flagship event. This is a big time event for the European Tour. It's a Rolex Series event. And I think like if you look at the European Tour of the last 20 years, it has been a tour that's that's been diminished. It's been the top talent has has played more and more on the on the US and notwithstanding these Rolex events, you know, the the tour is not the same as it was when you know it was in its heyday, and obviously, like a lot's changed in the world and the world of professional golf from the '80s and '90s. Um, the reason that these live players are there, and I think, like you know, there is a strong field at Tory, but this event is without a doubt the big event of the week, and the reason it is is because the live players are there. And I think, like, as I continue to think, like, the reason the live players are, are allowed to play is because of a, a court-ordered stay, right? They they said you can't ban them, you know, and and we don't know how long this is going to go on. You know, this is a perfect example this week of, like, you know, the European Tour has obviously been a part of the strategic alliance, but does it make the most sense to be in, like... For their tour, week in, week out, does it make more sense to have live players there or not? And that is, I think, a very interesting question because this event feels like a heyday European tour event. Yeah. I Can we... This event almost has reached heyday status. I mean, like, it, it's long enough and old enough to have that. I, I agree. Like, it's got... Ernie won it three times. Tigers won it twice. You know, Jose Maria won it. Seve won it. Like, I, I didn't realize how deep this, like, lineage is of this event. You think some of these Mideast events were started in the year 2000, more or less, um, which is also a long time ago. More recently, obviously, Rory, Bryson, I, I don't know, even down to last year, Hovland. It's just like a pretty stout history at this point. Sergio. <laughs> yeah, Sergio. Let's get that one in there. Um but yeah, I, I I agree. 
the T-Gate and then the field that's a composite of Live and Euro Tour and some PGA Tour does make this more central to the on the larger schedule, right? And I think we're going to have – I mean, we had it last week with Abu Dhabi. Um, we'll have it – I guess the court stay is coming up, you know, the, the, the resolution one way or another, which could result in this sort of phenomenon ending before we get to, you know, say the Scottish Open or something like that. Um, but yeah, I agree. It, it does sort of take it back to the, the heyday stage. I think the other thing is that there's always going to be increased attention and interest when there are these weeks where everybody's together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and I, I, I'd be curious, like, has you know what are the strategic advantages for the European Tour, for the partnership with the PGA Tour versus just going on their own with with and saying we're going to be the place that anybody could play. I, that's a I, top I, flight I, player. Uh, I think they'd probably be left in the dust. I think Would they? If you were yeah. Why? I think you'd have two elite tours and live or two, I don't know, primary tours or, or tours. That well, if, if lives not getting world ranking points, these guys like players like Patrick Reed. Money. So Patrick yeah. Reed would play every week. He could. I think Patrick Reed cares about playing in major championships still. And he's only exempt into one. He would be playing a, a heavy European tour schedule. Like you look at the players that they would pick up all of a sudden you'd have Poulter and I know they're in their twilights like Poulter Stenson and and Westwood would play heavy schedules like major championships still matter to these guys. And this like I think there's a real case here because like because of lives like inability to fit the criteria uh, and and it could just continue to be barred from world ranking points. This is actually an incre- I, I like if there is a way that they can go about this without falling out of the tour's graces, you know, where they can still have some sort of. I think it's a, yeah, it's hard. an enticing thing because all of a sudden your events have like way more juice, and that's the thing that like the regular events, the non Rolex events have been like, you know, like it's all of a sudden like this type of stuff pops up, and there's just like. You know, this is the perfect example. There's just way more media eyeball interest in this event because of who's there, you know? Yeah. How how long will that last? I don't know. I mean, I think I think like we like to poke the strategic alliance. I do more than anybody, uh, as much as anybody, I should say. I think it has brought a fair fair amount of stability and pathway forward for the European tour that they seem relieved or relieved about. Um just in terms of upward mobility. I know that sort of sounds bad because it makes them paints them as a feeder tour, but they needed stability. And I don't know that they would have brought that just by trying to court some circus of half live half um, regulars on the European tour. And then some PGA tour players for like Rolex events like this. And, and during the summer, um, I mean, I, what if, what if Brooks started to play over there? Cause he wants to play and, you know, be it wants his exemptions run up. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. 
how much are these guys motivated by majors even anymore? If that's they have a, see, that's the bigger question, right? Depends. Yeah. I don't know. It's really an interesting. The article with Sad Brooks and GQ. We'll have to do that at some point. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely like it speaks a little bit to the history. I love your concept of like. I wouldn't say like ragtag because it's like the old world circuit, but like this sort of um, Wild West tour, right? This like this mix of everything and everybody and they're bouncing all over the world, barnstorming all over the world. And it's a mix of guys dropping in and and flying out. Um, Yeah, there's like a heyday element, like you said. Um, You just start to look at like the players available that could be, you know, playing 10 events potentially just because they they have to keep they have to get world ranking points and it's like it's a pretty enticing list and it's it's a lot of guys with a lot of european tour history that's the other thing is like you start to go down the list of like all-time best players in the european tour and there's like a substantial amount of them that are on live like even a guy like right but i'm not not saying he's all-time great But like Louis Eustazen is a good example of a guy, right? That's not like a future though. These guys are all 50 and 45 and 55. I know they are all time greats, but like you have to, I don't know. It seems like a little too much present thinking. I don't know. I think that, I think that's a fair point too. I do. I think that's like, but you know. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting topic. It's it's an interesting hypothetical to entertain, like if they were to go that route and make it this sort of big tent circus. Um the other yeah. thing if if for controversy and this idea of rivalries and different players that you know that just like I think it's interesting for the sport, right? It's yeah. a little bit of a it's a departure and I think I think if anything, the last year has taught us more than anything is that the idea of golf being a gentleman's game is over. Like you cannot characterize the professional golf landscape as a gentleman's game anymore. That is that is just a silly, uh, um, romantic belief, and w- and the game being fractured over over this. You know, it's a moral and obviously financial situation, like a uh, dilemma and the game being fractured over this. Like if, if we had more match play, there would be way more real rivalries. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like some of these live guys and Patrick Reed is certainly in his own, despite <laughs> what Slugger White tells us gentleman box like that like he's just in his own box altogether and everything that comes with patrick reed and and his camp um i mean the driver stuff that's not a gentleman's game where guys knowingly have hot drivers (laughs) yeah no i know i uh, that's uh, that's playing the hits i know but i they've probably been doing that for 40 50 years guys are trying to find equipment edges no I mean, I'm sure. Well, that's what I'm just tour. saying. When there's the veil the, of that, yeah, yeah. The, this whole like, there are gentlemen on yeah. on the tour, right? Um, but like the whole concept of that, I think, is just very outdated and kind of it's it's a it's something that makes people feel warm and fuzzy about golf, but isn't really realistic. Yeah. And while we're on the subject, 
I mean, Rory doesn't need any more fluffing from the press, but of all the people, like he was probably the most defensive of Patrick Reed, stood up for Patrick Reed. I tweeted something to this effect, but people were too busy worried about the other stuff, the exclamation points and whatever. But like, he's not Kisner. Kisner said I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire, right? It, Rory said like, look, he even defended him with the hero cheating in the sand deal. He's like, I, there was no intent there. Patrick just gets picked on and there's a hobby in like golf probably talking about people like us media and other players to just pile on to Patrick. And so like, I think like the animosity there, I don't think that was a rivalry. That wasn't like a thing where there was a speed breakup from the Ryder cup and it's lasting going back to June. Like, I think Rory was by all accounts relatively, you know, benign towards Patrick, but this animosity is uh, hard earned by Patrick Reed's camp and, and Patrick Reed on this instance. But, all right, it's made, like you said, Euro Tour, the center of the, the golf world. Um, all right, continuing on. Should we talk about athletic greens? New athletic morning greens, habits? Yeah. I just got a big re-up yesterday of all. I had like a little break here. It was like, I wouldn't say I went into withdrawal, but I had like a little little like Laps. four or five day, you know, where the bridge was not connected, you know, from my, my morning routine. I got it yesterday. I was back in this morning. You got um, the AG1? AG one. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's for me. What I like about it is like the convenience of it's like one scoop water. Boom. I, I have it. Usually I have it before I go out to take the kids to school when I have to do that and I'm done. Right. And I don't have to think about certain like nutrients, vitamins, this, that, or the other, like, am I getting that? Am I getting too much of this or that? Like, what do I have to make for lunch? What do I have to make for dinner or snacks or things like that? You know, as we, we, you know, we cut corners, we just hit record and record an episode and then stop. Like, we can't plan all this stuff or our notes are not, you know, I don't think we're going to talk about the all burly boy team today, but we just go. And that's what I like about athletic greens is the convenience is like, I don't have to worry about necessarily whether I'm getting all the nutrients I need or should need. Uh, during the day. I have one scoop in the morning. I drink it on the way to taking the kids to school and I'm good. Humorously, I I do listen to every once in a while to a podcast called The Huberman Lab. And the guy, the host is like a a neuroscientist that does research at Stanford. And he he does athletic greens rates. And they're they're so much more... um, Substantive? Substantive, yes. I like listened to one recently. I'm like, oh my God. Um, But like this may sound really dumb. And you might be like, God, Andy's a moron. Um, But honestly, like one of my favorite things about this is I drink it the first thing in the morning. It's the first thing I drink in the morning. And one of the things that I've always struggled through my life that I've always wanted to do, but I always struggled to do was drink a glass of water to start the morning. Like it, it ha- there are a lot of health benefits to getting water in your system. And I don't, I'm, I'm, this is mixing a packet full of nutrients into water. And I drink water and I get all my nutrients right at the start of the day. And I, and I honestly, I had like a lapse a few weeks ago and I felt, I feel, considerably better and i and obviously some of that could be the water some of it could be athletic greens the ag1 but the 
I I can't stress that this I just I really like the habit aspect of this. I feel like I make better decisions throughout the day just because I get the day started on the right foot. So it costs less than three dollars a day if you are, you know, if you're doing this daily. They recommend first thing in the morning, kind of a natural base for your, your nutrients for the day. Less than three dollars. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash the fried egg, um, you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So athleticgreens.com slash the fried egg, not fried egg, it's the fried egg. Um, and you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So thanks to AG1 Athletic Greens uh, for their support. It really has become like I look, I'm not a nut. I'm not like a fitness nut, supplements, this, that, and the other, shakes. I'm not that, but like this has become a pretty regular part of my routine. I feel good about it. Um, all right, moving on. Farmers, Sam Ryder is winning. He shot a 64. I don't know. We're we're kidding. Blustery the midpoint. Cut, Blustery cut conditions. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> every year it's like, you know, there's a delay for the marine layer. It's just what happens. Uh, you get a blustery day. This kind of feels like it happens every year at Farmers. I'm kind of excited for the Saturday watch. You get CBS returning to the action there. Trevor Immelman's debut and sort of the different personnel shuffles at CBS. And I just, I don't know why. I just recall this being like a great um, sort of time frame last week and so or last year sort of watch like the Saturday thing really working out and so I'm excited to watch that prime Rob right now outside the cut line yeah is he gonna make the cut he's got two par fives left okay as we speak as you listen to it I'm sure you'll have more clarity on that subject than than us right now um anything else on the world of golf scores or anything like that you want to do live 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 boy is not invited to uh, the seminal pro member yeah, they I, they could probably if, go to Seminole and play. You know, I think not, if I think if these guys were ready to walk away from the PGA Tour, they're probably okay with not being out play one one day a year at Seminole. The pro member, yeah, they. I don't know though. These guys throw pissy fits about a lot of things, right? Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, in the grand scheme, they're probably fine, but they'll probably make their you know. Um, displeasure known with the fit about this uh, or the other or comment about not being able to play in it. That's an Eamon Lynch report. Um, I think I saw Joel Beal. I think we alluded to this the other day that Grella, the chief communications officer is out at live. Oh uh, man. Which is just kind of, he was always sending me DMS that of, uh, of op-eds <laughs> of, yeah, like here are some brochures and information like a Jehovah's witness knocking on your door that you didn't ask for. <laughs> Um, handing you brochures you had the chief communications officer telling you yeah here's here's an interesting perspective from so and so that might be associated with live already anyways um yeah he's out so that's just further turmoil at the c-level right the c-suite the chief communications officer um we should note seems like it seems like greg's getting more and more on an island so I had a theory posited to me the other day that this like Yasser with the Majed being removed. And we talked about this Wednesday. Uh, it was framed as Greg getting more power. The theory posited to me the other day that this is like a corporate playbook and Yasser's letting Greg sort of blow it up implode on himself 
and then they'll just we tried they'll fold it all up and that's done and this is what happens when you know you try something like this and i mean it's not the biggest expenditure for the piff uh i don't know i don't know if that's the case it was just a theory that this is how things are run and you know a corporate playbook i'll use that term again where getting majed's exposure letting it just become Greg's thing and the failure and the explosion. If it does do that, that'll just be all of Greg. So that's why Greg has all the power now and he can just run the ship aground this year. We'll see. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, he does have a lot of power, a lot of continued turnover at the sea level. Um, Results. We should note Ben Silverman won on the corn ferry tour. New 4A guy has entered the ring. Yeah, he is always kind of always around the fringes. September call up, steal some bases, you know, hit like two twenty five, and then he's back down. Yeah, Ben Silverman, thirteenth thirteenth pitcher on the roster. <laughs> Do you have any spicy takes on Scott Brown making the cut in the Bahamas and then getting off the alternate list at San Diego, withdrawing in the Bahamas, and then going to tee it up in San Diego on Wednesday morning? People were worked up about this. Some people were like, no, he's earned a spot into both. He can WD. There was an alternate that flew to the Bahamas. You know, we're obviously like 54 plus 36 holes at this point. And the alternate, you know, you're you're long gone by that time. But he flew to the Bahamas and he would have got in if Scott Brown had WD, you know, 48 I have hours no prior. Problem. I have no problem with this. Okay. Whatsoever. Some people were pissed off about him flying to play. Like he earned a spot, right? Everybody can always say play better. Was it Dottie Pepper, right? At the Zurich, the year that Scott Brown, you never won. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough scene. That was, I think that was, that was fun. I love Eventually that. Eventually, Kisner's face. Like, oh. But like, not an opposite field. To be, to be fair, I, you know, Dottie might have been right. Yeah. Peppy Peter would have disagreed, but yeah. Dottie might have been right. All right, that's your news. Should we do a little SGS golf advice? Of course, we should. It's Friday. Do you want to start? You want me to do one? I'll I'll do I'll do one right out of the bat. The here. inbox is loading up. Just again, <laughs> SGS golf advice at gmail.com. We're but trying to get through them. We've got ample lots, lots of cheating. Sending. Lots of cheating scandals. Lots of cheating scandals. <laughs> lots of cheating scandals. Do you want me to go first? I got one. I got one. All right, one. go. So this is titled Daddy Issues. This oh. is uh it's anonymous. All right. Um, Daddy issues. I myself am a dad, but my friend who is a dad of two girls has a serious problem. Our buddy, let's call him Earl Jr., insists on giving us all shot-by-shot details of his daughter's rounds, right, analysis of her swing, and what she is doing on with them, uh, what he is doing, on, uh, working on with them. And also other tournament leaders' impressive <laughs> shots. Oh, oh, so you're getting the full round, <laughs> like the full tournament update. breakdown. Not just his daughter, but other leaders and impressive shots. <laughs> we have tried to drop hints that he should care. Uh, that he should care if they're having fun more than anything else. Even his wife has given him shit that he doesn't know his daughter's friends' names, but he can talk about a girl from three cities over short game for hours. I love my daughter an amount that I thought wasn't possible. So I get he has pumped his play golf. I don't want to be a complete jerk, but I 
can hardly care to hear a blow-by-blow of his round, let alone his daughter's. Clearly, Earl Jr. needs our help. Any advice as what to do next? I mean, this is pretty touchy. Like, I mean, you have to say something, but the way you do that is going to take some real deft touch. Because um, the guy could be really offended and pissed off if you really want to be friends with them. This sounds very important to him. It sounds like an animating force in his life at this point. Um, it sounds like you're going to have a hard time steering the conversation away from that. Despite your best efforts, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Uh, you, you occasionally, it might work. I think you just... I mean, can you get the wife in on it? I mean, the wife is giving him shit. Can you sort of have an intervention here? Inter- with the wife you're saying involved? like a formal intervention. Yeah, like Earl Jr., look at... look. We love your daughter. We love that she's having success, that you're two enjoying daughters, her success. Two daughters. Um, but like we need to expand our conversations. Right? I think you just have to rally the troops, including his wife, and suggest that maybe we not talk about this in such great detail or such great depths. Let me reiterate something that I may have said before, but there is nothing. I... Nothing worse than blow by blow. Yeah. Recounting of any of any round of golf. Like you could be a high level overview. You could say give a 30 seconds, 30 seconds on your round. That's like the maximum you should go. You should tell if you play fast, unless you're asked about certain holes or shots, then yes. Yes. I'm more interested in crazy shit that happened to you than like one thing than a blow by blow. So this is like a a, a, a next really level blow by blow. And I'd be curious, like, was he a bad blow by blow guy before this? And it sounds like he had to be. Had to be. And I would say I would venture to say yeah. that that was the problem, you know, that should have been nipped in the butt earlier. You yeah, know, character flaw. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, like I, it's a lot easier to do it. It's a lot easier to do it to just him and the buds, like you said, than to talk about now all of a sudden you're like, feels like it could be attacking his child or your interest. And everybody has this friend. Like I, I can think of like, I can think of people I know in my life that do this, like where they talk about their kids and they like overwhelm you with their kids. Like, and it's it's like you can't do something. I don't I don't know really what the right thing to do is, but like I think you have to like very very politely do that, or or like send them hints, like some act super disengaged in the conversation when it when it drones on. I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> I don't think he'll just talk to the wall about it. it sounds like he's well. At least then you're disengaged from it. Like yeah, maybe you pull true. out your phone, just start scrolling around on your phone. It's hard. I mean, like it's hard because you can't. If this was him and it's like your close friend, you could be like, "Listen, man, I don't give a shit about this. Can we talk about something else?" Or you could make it a joke, but because it's their daughter, it's his daughters. Like if somebody said something about my daughters, I would be like, you know, my daughter, I'd be like, fuck you, you know, like, like, you know, so it's like, that's the problem here. 
Yeah, I think you just you gotta you gotta rally the troops. You gotta Can come you at this from a group intervention. It doesn't you, sound like you, you can't subliminally be, get a message across. You don't think, I don't that's think there's an anything option. subtle about this going to be changing this behavior. It's got to be a smack in the face with force and multiple people. Could you make? Him, could you make? Could you maybe make fun of him when he brings up like the other kids? Maybe that's the way. Is that the yeah. avenue? Like you, once it becomes not about his kid. Yeah. Maybe that's how you can start because then oh, it might we make him aware. The bank. We didn't know we were getting the U.S. Bank sports desk on U9 girls in you know, Montgomery County or wherever you are. Yeah. Could he you maybe, could. yeah, maybe then he could be like, maybe you should start a blog about, you know, local girls golf. Because <laughs> <laughs> start a podcast. So, maybe there's somebody out there who cares to read it because I certainly don't want to hear about it. You know, you could really <laughs> pop them. Um, yeah, I think tough. that might this be the, one. the the route is maybe going at a go joking. get joking with him when he brings yeah. up other like oh, other, the other yeah the other uh, the other girls the other shots right and there was this nine year old girl who hit it to ten feet yeah yeah that's a bit much uh, I, I I good I, luck best of I luck with you just do an intervention with the wife and uh, maybe another friend who's been subjected to this all right I turn. The subject line, and you know, if you're with your children, <laughs> I think this is, stays about PG-13, I would say. The subject line is the incredibly horny couple. Um, all right. I've played golf for over 20 years. <laughs> Throughout that time, I've been paired with many different golfers from a multitude of diverse backgrounds, various skill levels. I usually get along with everyone. One recent trip, however, found me a situation where I was ready to take it back to the clubhouse. He's ready to go in. Again, I'd say PG, PG-13. That doesn't get too graphic. A buddy and I took a trip to Big Cedar with Johnny, uh, what's his name? Johnny, <laughs> Johnny Morris. Morris. Johnny Morris. I got. The, I, I really want to go to Big Cedar. I've been like, uh, like everybody seems to have a really good time there. I, I, I know. Not an ad here. Everybody seems to have fun there. I mean, the golf course is maybe whatever. Who knows? But it looks looks amusing. All right, buddy, I took a trip to Big Cedar last summer. At Payne's Valley, we were paired up with a couple in their late 40s, mid-50s, who seemed fine when we exchanged... Late 40s, mid-50s. <laughs> seemed fine when we exchanged pleasantries at the first tee. The husband asked what my index was, and upon telling him, he replies back, oh, you're a pretty good stick then. With the... <laughs> Within one millisecond, his wife says, I know someone else who has a pretty good stick. <laughs> and then gives a few seductive eyebrow raises in the direction of her husband. Okay, a little weird, but whatever. After telling me he is, quote unquote, reigning club champion at his cl country club, the husband then proceeds to hit a piss missile slice about 15 feet off the ground, nearly taking the head off our four caddy down the fairway. He replies, oh boy, I'm just not very flexible right now, just super stiff. Again, the wife pipes, <laughs> pipes up. You weren't stiff last night, Dan. It's still the no. first tee. <laughs> I love this. We're still on the first tee. All right, so we've got two on the board from the wife. Fast forward through about seven, eight more. Not so subtle jokes, innuendos on the front nine. I'm on pace to break a personal best record, personal best round. And these people will not shut up. They're talking about their dinner at the steakhouse at the resort, but how <laughs> the quote, steak wasn't the best part of the night <laughs> they're talking about getting <laughs> sensual couples massages it just won't end 
<laughs> it finally comes to a head when it, <laughs> as we are getting ready to hit our drives on 11. The wife gets a hot dog and just starts gushing about how much she loves the hot dog, how she loves how good it tastes. God, how it's her favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Dan, tell, tell them how much Dan, tell them how much I love a good hot dog. At that point in time, my buddy and I are seriously contemplating cutting the round short and going back in. <laughs> On top of the sexy talk between these two, they are, they are spraying it all caps everywhere. <laughs> so they're terrible. I'm pretty sure there were more than five hustle rockets from a reigning club champ, in quotes, in the first five to six holes alone. Alas, we ultimately decided to forge ahead and just deal with it. I'd like to think I'm pretty mentally tough and can block things out, but these people just flat out, people just got flat out annoying. The perfect round is no more. I ultimately finished at two over. Parentheses. Yeah, so he's a stick. Uh, I ultimately finished at two over. But in parentheses, he says, the score really doesn't matter for the podcast, but factor in that at the peak of horny talk, I went (laughs) double bogey double. So... I mean, he's going to be, who knows? Let's not do blow by blow here. But at the peak of horny talk, he goes double, bogey double. The question is, if you're cruising along and throwing together a solid round, and you get paired up with two of Dr. Ruth's prodigies. Do you keep the round going or you take it back to the clubhouse and try to finish whatever you can salvage of your round if the course permits? Did I make the right decision to play on? Please advise. Oh, God. Sorry for the uh, kind of st- stammering through that but i was laughing um that's horrible this is horrible these people are terrible (laughs) complete freaks weirdos get them out of here like they're terrible people they're not original they sound like they make terrible jokes you play the cards or dealt you can't go in i don't think you can go in yeah the the thing about conditions is like it was it's a resort course i'm sure it was packed there's no way of like dropping back or jumping ahead like that wasn't seemed like an option here and i think that one of the things that i you know at, at periods of my life i i took things too seriously was too worried about my rounds and um you know i i could get agitated if you ask some of my friends that played a lot of golf with me i'm probably pretty agitated i was an easily agitated person on the golf course like people like irritated me and i'd right i would if i was playing with people that i didn't like i would regularly just like drop back if i could like i you know obviously situations you can't play you know but like one of the things i would say that i've i've learned over the years um one of my favorite things to do is that you need to take these like just truly unique characters and you need to turn it almost into a game with yourself and see right. how preposterous you can you can get them to go. I mean, this guy sounded and, so dialed in, though. I mean, yes. really? Like, he shot two over. Well, what I'm saying is, like, I know. You, gotta... were, you were playing great. Like, keep keep it going. Just keep keep them going. See, see the shit you can see. Like, to a Damn. certain extent, like, there had to be you and your buddy were chattering about these people after the first tee shot. So this was like all part. Like they they were playing a part and whether or not you realized it, they probably were keeping you loose and you weren't thinking as much about your golf shots as you were about the preposterous things that were coming out of these people's mouths. And at some point, you started playing so well that it started to annoy you. 
And rather than that, I think you need to like, yeah, I, I, I think you saying. need to embrace the strangeness and like, I've got this really good buddy. And like, if, if the, if he was paired with these people, I like, I th- always think he's the, like the best at handling weird people because he would just like get onto their level. Yeah. And, and right. onto their wavelength. And he would yeah. just almost egg him on. And just, he would sit there. He would be like a kid eating popcorn, just yeah. seeing how much shit he could get these people to say without Riled divulging up. anything yeah. of his own. Like, yep. and I think that's the way, because listen, like, I actually think that they probably were a part of you playing a great round of golf because on the first tee, you were like you and your buddy were cracking up and talking about like can you believe these? But then these- it's eight eight holes in, and he says six to seven, eight more <laughs> jokes like that. I well, mean, yeah, just get him, see how much you could get him to I go, know. see where you could get him to go. As, as long as you're not playing with like your eight year old kid, you yeah. know. Yeah. God, that's so bad. Those people suck. But you play. We're both in firm agreement. You can't go in and try to figure it out later. You play the conditions. You got the. It's like getting paired up I mean, with you know Billy Boy or whoever the, else. You play the conditions. You're adult. The problem is, it's like a a, a three also, hour right. You it's know resort, right. It's a three hundred dollar round, and uh, you know, and you know, it's a it's a three hundred dollar round, and it's a busy course. Like, there's no like you're not going to bounce in, and then like they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? Go back out. Like that. It's a resort. These these they hum. You know. Yep. If it was like a local muni, and it was a a fifty dollar round, yeah, or forty dollar round, yeah, it's twilight afternoon. Yeah. 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 Figure like out. that's where I would just like I'd be like you know what I want to play by my our, ourselves yeah. you guys go ahead you know yeah yeah oh okay yeah you got one more you got another one you want to do the helicopter you want me to read the, you've read you went ahead on the the helicopter parent massive planner that would take I, us too long I, uh, it's a big one I it, you want to do how long to hold a grudge sure you got it yeah. I'll tell you, there's a real, there's a real vein of like grudges, vein of like what we just got with like being paired up with people, insufferable, cheating. There's some good ones. There's, there's like definitely different categories we're getting now. Um, there's a skins game at my local course. It's a, uh, it's a decent buy-in. You know, it's not yep. cheap. It's, yep. it's a good buy-in. And recently, there was a a skin that paid out over five thousand uh. dollars. It's getting quite, it's enticing to play. It seems there's a good group of talented players, but I've never played in it because the guy running the game has a history of some read level integrity. Oh my gosh. At least related to handicaps and net events. Okay. These are unrelated to the skins game he organizes but rather in of other events he plays in. Okay, so this reputation was want, earned in other separate things, not necessarily this one that this guy's intrigued by. He's. He, I'm not going to okay. say this guy's on par with the big money classic scam, but there's no fi- uh, because there's no financial scam going on in the skins game. But the organizer has won multiple net championships. That uh, that uh, and what are the odds of winning a handicapped event multiple years in a row? <laughs> he goes into more and more details. We don't really need that. I personally have chastised this guy as a cheater. 
and refused to play in his skins game, but I kind of want to play in his skins game. I can't overlook his handicap scandals with partners, but I can't overlook hand, uh, his okay. scandals. Okay. At this point, I have no intention to play, but I'm wondering at what point do you bury the hatchet and give someone a fresh start? I don't think you need to bury the hatchet or give him a fresh start, but I think you can patronize this game while also understanding you have you have um, you have made a firm conclusion and judgment of this guy's character, and you don't like him, but you can go play his game and try to win money. I, as long as there's no financial scam, which he thinks he seems to say there isn't. Um, just go try to kick ass and make some money. And like, unless you are so annoyed that you are partaking or patronizing this guy, you just don't like and consider a scumbag. um, Then you don't, you don't play it, but it sounds like you don't have to necessarily, they can be mutually exclusive. You don't have to do away with your judgment of him or your grudge or your hatchet while also going to try and play a game you want to play in. The skins game you want to play what, in. Is what that if he, fair? What if he bans him from the game because he called them a cheater? Then he, then it would be I mean, even I, better. That detail That's I kind didn't of a hear best. in the email. Well, I, I I'm just thinking. That. There's obviously yeah. some animosity here. And it's his yeah. game. My, my first question about the skins game, and I'd like a little bit further clarification, is, is this a net skins game? Because if it's a net skins game and there's a history of handicap tomfoolery i'm out i'm i'm completely out like i don't want anything to do with it now if it's a gross skins game and everybody's playing even then i would look at it as an opportunity if you're a good player to go in and uh make some cash at this guy's expense and i can't think of any way to get better redemption on a on a handicap um fluffer scandal yeah 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 then going in and taking their money in a good little gross game you know yeah, that's yeah. the the best the best remedy for getting at a a guy that carries a little bit a little bit too high of a handicap for his skill level is to get them into a gross game and beat them up you know yeah i just wonder if this guy like at this guy's club or something has he been personally cost him this handicap issue has cost this other guy personally the guy who wants to play in the skins game seems like he's been a victim well it seems like this. if he has club personally whole. personally confronted the situation oh, yeah, 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 by yeah, calling him a cheater i yeah. would say that that would he be may not be welcome then in the skins that's game, what i was saying all right okay all right. um so I, here's I would say if it's a gross skid game, I'm out. I don't want anything to do or not a net skids game. I want nothing to do with a guy that yeah. is like winning. If you're winning multiple skid, uh, net events a year, like <sighs> find a new slant, dude. It's not cool. Yeah. Like it's absurd. It's it's ridiculous, and like the chances of you catching lightning in a bottle and winning a skins or a net event two years in a row is is bonkers. Yeah. That's utterly insane. So I would say that there's some probable credence here, probable cause to some yeah. handicap. So you can't play anything net that this guy is organizing. But if it's gross, then I would. It. 
go for it and, and st- take and still keep your hatchet. Still keep your hatchet. It doesn't need to be buried. You can still keep your hatchet and use if it anything, as you play. It, it kind of puts him in a in an odd situation. It's something right. he has to think about. So yeah. in a way, like right now, you're you're kind of dodging him, even though you've uh, addressed the situation. And now all of a sudden, you're kind of putting him in a in an uncomfortable position. It's kind right. of like uh, flipping the tables, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Take it to him. Take it to him. Uh, all right. Let me let me wrap with one more. Just follow right. up on last last week. Remember the guy who whiffed and then hit the hole in one or, you know, semi hole. The, the air shot. Yeah. The air shot. It's the Scott who wrote it. The Scotsman benevolently called it. Um, Mike, I think I'll use his name because he's being creative here. Mike Altabello uh, emailed saying, I loved your take, but shouldn't we celebrate this? It's like, it's literally, it might be the rarest of all birds. And it kind of is. I mean, I guess you could, it kind of is, but not by purpose, right? It's the rarest of all birds. And he tried to come up with a name, you know, the albatross, the hole in three, everything has this, like the, the birdie, the turkey, the albatross, the hole in three. There are all these like names, but like, shouldn't we be celebrating this as the hole in two? And, and I think it, it, it's like, a, it's a good other side of the coin, right? The problem with that emailer last week was the guy was like dunking on his friend and, you know, then using it to sort of, um, yeah, wagging in his face. But I do like this. It's like the rarest of all birds call it the hole in two. It should be celebrated and heralded around the world. It might be the only one ever on record. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened before where someone whiffs and then like blades one off the stick and it drops or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's it. Mike, uh, uh, emailed saying, you know, this should actually be celebrated and come up with a name, the cockatoo with a T O T W O, all sorts of different birds. What what does he do with his what does he do with his framed uh framed ball and scorecard from his I from still his love daughter. the friend showing up and just smashing that as a statement of how, the fraud that he's been living, the lie that do, he's been living. But do you like anyway. scratch out one and put two? <laughs> like I think you have to <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was a creative follow-up, a, a good to uh, a, the email last week. This kind of uh, falls into the bucket of whole ones at par three courses. I feel like. Oh God, that's not a new debate. Is it a hole in one or is it not? I don't think What's it is. Your t- I I think it. I don't think it is. If it's like a sixty-yard hole, like <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I think it depends on the, the length of the hole. Feels like you got to hit a full shot. A chip in. Yeah. All right. That does it for this Friday episode. Thank you for your continued support. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Um, Stay safe. Stay warm. We'll be back Monday to recap Dubai, recap a little Tory. Maybe uh, Sunday. It might be up on Sunday. Yeah. We might be able to do that midday Sunday before the football really gets going here in the States. We got to do that so we know where Jim Nance will be broadcasting from. That'll be Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. All right. The, the reveal. From Giha Stadium on Saturday afternoon. All right. Everyone enjoy your weekends. We'll talk to you again Sunday or Monday. 